Today's scripture reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and the Pew Bibles is on uh, page 813. <clears throat> I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am, pers- and I am persuaded now lives in you also. The word of the Lord. Happy Mother's Day. I'm so grateful that I get to celebrate Mother's Day with all of you, uh, to celebrate the moms, biological, spiritual moms in this room. Uh, and one of the ways I wanted to do that was by talking about some moms. And the scripture gives uh, some pretty cool uh, examples of moms uh, that have really been intentional about pouring into their children. We have Lois and Eunice. And I'm excited to talk about them, but first, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the examples we have with Lois and Eunice. Thank you for um, how they can encourage us and inspire us um, to, be, uh, to be just following their pattern. Lord, We love you. We're excited to hear about them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I did want to recognize, I feel like my mom probably will watch this message uh, a little bit later, but I'm really grateful for my mom, I'm really grateful for Monica, and uh, one thing that I'm really grateful for them about uh, is their desire for their children to know Jesus, to love Jesus, uh, and uh, being the beneficiary of that, like receiving that, like a lifetime of being prayed for, uh, being taught about Christ, and then I get to do that with Monica as we teach our kids. Uh, And so uh, I'm excited to kind of look at these two women who are examples of that as well, that we find in the scriptures. Now, we've been in the series, Women in the Kingdom. We've been talking about women in the Old Testament, New Testament, throughout the Bible. Now we're looking at the mother of Timothy. So Timothy is one of Paul's sort of disciples, one of the young uh, pastors, one, one of the young men that he pours into. Uh, But before he ever poured into Timothy, two women, Timothy's mother and grandmother, were pouring into him, teaching him the scriptures, teaching him about Jesus. And this is how Paul talks about them. And we just read that, but I want to read it again, 2 Timothy 1.5. I am reminded of your sincere faith. So Paul's directly talking to Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. And so I've entitled this message A Caught Faith, right? because somehow Timothy catches the faith from his mother and grandmother. And so I want to be encouraged as we uh, look at this passage how we can see uh, how to do this as well. My big idea is this that a caught faith is a genuine, alive, and taught faith. It's like way more catchy than I'm used to, but a caught faith is a genuine, alive, and taught faith. Faith. So let's just start with that. A caught faith is a genuine faith. Paul, addressing Timothy, says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. But it didn't come from Timothy. It didn't originate in Timothy. It originated in Lois and Eunice. And the, this Greek word for sincere uh, literally means undisguised. An undisguised faith. A genuine faith. A faith that that doesn't have a mask on it, a masquerade. Uh, This word reminded me of 
the, the opera, uh, the Phantom of the Opera. Right? Maybe some of you have seen that. It, I, th- I don't know how old I was, maybe 13 or 14 when I saw it for the, the first time. Right? It's all about the music. It's all about the mask, the masked man. Who, who is playing this beautiful music? Who's behind the mask? Right? What is he covering? What is he hiding? And eventually we find out he's hiding scarves. Right? Eventually he takes off the mask and reveals his true identity. What are we hiding behind the masks that we put up, right? Our brokenness, our scars, our fallenness. And what we see in Lois and Eunice is that they're, they're willing to kind of take off the mask and just be real. Here, here's who I am. Not just the beautiful music. Here's my scars. And here's my genuine, real faith in God. Here's my genuine, real faith in Christ Jesus. And so as we think about Mother's Day, what do we want our children to see? What do we want our biological kids to see? What do we want this, our spiritual people that we're, uh, that we're pouring into? What do we want them to see? Do we want them to see the real us? Or do we want them to see like kind of the picture-perfect Christian? Right? I've, I've, I've heard stories so often of like, You know, it wasn't until your brokenness that I saw that part that I realized what you believe is genuine and true. See, Lois and Eunice are willing to show Timothy a messy, broken, but genuine faith. We don't have to have it all together, and I think there's a lot of grace here, right? This Mother's Day, we're not saying you have to be a perfect mother, When Father's Day comes along, we're not going to say you have to be a perfect father. Be real. Be genuine. Show your genuine faith in God. This is who I believe in. And as I look out to this church, as I look out at people I know, I see this. I see a genuine faith in God. I see a real faith in God among the mothers of Cornerstone. I'm grateful for that. I want to be in a place that's like that. So a genuine faith is a, uh, a, a caught faith is a genuine faith, and it's also an alive faith. Paul says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. So this word for lived is the word uh, for dwelling, like dwelt. There's something that dwelt inside of them, a living and active, genuine faith. Faith. Now, as you know, we're preparing to like, put our house on the market and move. And that's a, a difficult time because we're, we're looking at our house and we're like, kind of like painting and getting it all spruced up. And that's nice, right? It's nice to kind of clean up your house. But like, the more you do that, the, the less it looks like your house. <laughs> it's like someone else's house. We feel like we're almost living in a showroom at this point. Right? As we go around and we paint things and clean things, Right? There's all these memories that are coming back to us. Right? Buying the home, moving and painting like some rooms, not at all. Painting, I think we have one room where we've painted like three times. It's like, wow, painted that room a lot. We had our kids in this home. A lot of memories, a lot of dwelling, a lot of living. And as we think about their example, Lois and Eunice, it's a lived faith. So like faith in God just took up residence and made memories and dwelt day by day. 
You know, sometimes when we think about an alive faith, we think of like, wow, that person's really on fire for Jesus. They're like moving overseas to become missionaries, or they're going to seminary, they become a pastor, or they're preaching on the curb, or they're telling everyone about Jesus. And those things certainly can be signs of an alive faith, but that's not really how the scriptures define an alive faith. The scriptures simply define alive faith as like living your faith day by day. Practicing what you believe, praying, seeking to know God and be known by God, loving God, loving your neighbor. Sharing Christ with others, absolutely. But it's a little bit simpler than having to do amazing, great things for God. An alive faith, a living faith, is dwelling with God. Walking through life with God, seeking to know him on the good days where there's celebrations and it's like a, a good Mother's Day, on those days where it's tough, hard, and discouraging. That's the kind of faith Eunice and Lois have. And I want to point out here that this wasn't easy. So if you look at Eunice's life, that's Timothy's mother. I kept like getting them confused this week. Which one's Lois? Which one's mother? Which one's not? I uh, just wanted to read this verse from Acts 16. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. So Timothy's father was a Gentile. There's, there's clearly a, like a divide in this family. Right? The mother loves the scriptures, loves Jesus, and the father is doing his own thing. And that can be pretty relatable, can't it? Some of our situations where one spouse or the other is kind of struggling. And I think this should be really encouraging to us. Because God is saying, like, I am enough. You do not have to have the perfect nuclear family. Dad and mom are on the same page. You do not have to have that picture-perfect family to, to have a caught faith, to raise children who love Jesus. You simply have to have a genuine and a live faith, following Jesus day by day and trusting God with those results. And we don't know the full story there. And one of the interesting things about this passage is we don't know if uh, Lois was a mother or a mother-in-law, just a mother. So it doesn't have to be the ideal family. God, God works and lives in difficult situations. So a caught faith is a genuine faith. It's an alive faith. And it's a taught faith. So later in Paul's second letter to Timothy, uh, Timothy becomes a pastor at Ephesus. You guys remember Ephesus is like the place where they had the big riot, the temple to Artemis, a difficult landscape to be a pastor. Uh, but Paul says this to Timothy. Uh, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scripture, uh, the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the third thing that helped Timothy take ownership of his faith, become a Christian, follow Jesus, is that his mother and grandmother eventually Paul taught him the faith. 
Right? They were intentional in making a disciple of their child. And this means, like, you know, the, they wouldn't have had, like, the Bible like we have, right? The 66 books of the Bible. Uh, they wouldn't necessarily, they, they would have had access to the Old Testament, right? To the, the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, and, you know, it says, like, Paul went to, was it Lystra, right? And then they would have heard through Paul. Maybe eventually they would have gotten some of Paul's letters. Maybe he had access to a gospel or two, right? But they didn't have, like, the full New Testament, but clearly, Lois and Eunice were taking the time to teach Timothy the word as he grew up, to, to instruct him in those Hebrew scriptures, to, to teach the full counsel of God, to, to wrestle with the, the, the difficult passages in the Old Testament, to, to see, like, how do these passages point to Jesus? How does this Old Testament sacrificial somehow point to the one who offered himself as a perfect and final sacrifice? Looking at those passages like Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Who is this suffering servant? Is it Jesus? So they taught him the full counsel of God. And that's one of the ways we catch the faith. It's a caught, it's a, caught faith is a genuine faith. It's, it's alive. It's like it's unmasked. It's, it's every day. But it's also taught. It's also intentional. You know, and this is something that I'm wrestling with as a dad. Right? So I'm sure... Like, there's always this feeling of shortcoming, right? Like, I could always be teaching my kids more about the Bible. And it's like, we pray a lot, trying to be a little bit more intentional about, like, reading children's Bible stories, telling them, uh, connecting things for them. Like, you know, uh, we can pray on the way to school, right? What do you want a prayer for? That I would run speedy at school, right? Like, good things to pray for. So this is something that I'm learning, too, and I just want to say thank you to all of those biological, spiritual moms in our congregation who have taken the time to teach their kids, who have taken the time to read those Bible stories, who have taken the time to bring their kids to church, who have taken the time to wrestle with hard conversations with their kids about challenging issues. Thank you for doing that. That's how we get a caught faith. A caught faith is a genuine, alive, and taught faith. You know, but it's not a guaranteed faith. Caught faith is not guaranteed. And there may be times where we do all of these things, right? We, we're genuine. We're unmasked. We're, the, our faith is real. We are teaching it, and still our kids, or maybe our grandchildren, they don't catch it. There's only so much we can do, right? That we pray and we trust the Holy Spirit. And we trust that the story is not over. You know, the story continues, and we never know when God's going to work in someone's life to do a miracle. We believe in a God of resurrection, right? Who, who raises the dead. And apart from Jesus, we're all spiritually dead. And he can come in and do that work whenever he wants. And so our worth and our value is not based on if our children have a caught faith. Our worth and our value are based in Jesus, in his love for us, in the Father's love for you and for me. I hope that you'll walk away saying, wow, I am loved by the Father. I am loved by Jesus Christ. Whether or not my kids have a caught faith, I'm going to be genuine, I'm going to be alive in my faith, I'm going to teach it, I'm going to trust, right? I'm going to give the rest to 
Christ. I was thinking about my own sort of story, testimony. I was, I was like four years old when I said the prayer to become a Christian. It stuck. It stuck. Praise God. Uh, but I did say that prayer with my mom. I got to like, came in, our old living room, there was this blue couch and expressed to my mom that I wanted to become a Christian. I think a large part it was motivated because all my brothers were Christians, right? So I was like, I got to get in on the club. But we knelt down and we prayed and we invited Christ into my life. And I'm so grateful for that memory uh, and then all the ones that follow, right? The prayers of the, 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 the learning. Right, so thank you. Thank you to my mom. Thank you to you as moms. And the way that we get to experience our Heavenly Father's love is actually because Jesus, in some ways, was willing to give up his mother, his mother's love in some ways, his his maternal love. Let me explain. So John 19, 25 through 29 says this. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, uh, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So one of the last things that Jesus did as he was hanging on the cross, suffering for our sins, paying the penalty for for our injustice, was loving his mom, was honoring his mom, was making sure his mom was provided for and cared for. That's amazing. I'm not going to measure up to that this Mother's Day. But part of the gospel story is that Jesus, in one sense set aside, was abandoned, was forsaken, lost that kind of compassionate, merciful love that the Father was putting on him, right? He he experienced a lack of that maternal love so that you and I could know the maternal love of God, so that we could know the fatherly love of God, so we could experience eternal and genuine love for all of eternity. Jesus became forsaken and alone so that you and I can become welcomed and loved. Yeah, this is what the gospel is. And so, moms out there, just want to say that you are loved, that your heavenly Father loves you with an all-encompassing, genuine, eternal Maternal love. Jesus loves you. Thank you. Thank you, moms, for being genuine, for demonstrating a living faith, for teaching your kids the faith. Uh, Let me pray, and then we'll break up into groups. Heavenly Father, thank you for our moms. Uh, Thank you for the love that you have extended to us. Pray that we would do a good job of honoring our moms this day. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen.